You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. We're staying again in the Gospel of Mark as we're looking at the miracles of Jesus. And today, the, the miracle that we're looking at, uh, Jesus surprises everyone. Like he has done in the other miracles that we've seen. But in this one, there's, a, there's another layer to it, a, another surprising wrinkle. And it's, this one actually starts a controversy. Jesus utters one sentence in Mark chapter 2 that gets the religious establishment against him. And what they don't realize and what we must realize is that today Jesus is performing two miracles, not just one. And one is way more vital than the other. It's a miracle that we all desperately need. In Mark chapter two, we see Jesus healing paralysis, our paralysis. So as you do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. And we'll begin in Mark two, verse one. And the Holy Spirit tells us, when he entered Capernaum again, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And as he was speaking the word to them, they came to him, bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying, seeing their faith. Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us. Help us to see that we have never seen anything like this. That there is no one like you. There's no one like your son, no one like the spirit, no one like the father. You, God, have no rival. You have no equal. And you reign. So help us now to see the miracle we desperately need. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the things about fall that you probably don't think of that often or just haven't ever considered is, yes, it's candy corn season, it's cavity season, and, and all, all, Halloween, all this stuff. But it's also iPhone season. Apple releases a new phone usually around this time. And I, I've never camped out for a phone. Um, I've never camped out at all. So that's probably not like a big concern. <laughs> but 
I, I remember. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when people would camp out for the new iPhones and there would be chaos and the craze and lines. But when the iPhone 8 came out just a few weeks ago, none of that. No camping out, no stampedes, no craze. And most places didn't even have a crowd. You could just walk right up when the stores opened. No lines. I think because some of the novelty has worn off and there, there's a new phone coming out in another week too. So they're like, oh, we've kind of been there, done that. I'll wait for the next one. There's some fatigue there. But now I want you to you compare that to Star Wars. The, other, the new Star Wars movie is coming out December 15th, I think. And people are already buying their tickets for it. I mean, I've maybe bought a ticket like a day before, not two months before. Why? Because the craze is there. There's hype, there's excitement. And what we just saw in Mark chapter two, listen, there is such a big crowd around Jesus. It's crazy. The house is packed. People can't even get in the door. He is the most sought after hot topic in Israel. He is like the Beatles of Bethlehem. It's chaos everywhere he goes. And these friends of the paralytic, they're seeking Jesus. Why? Because they believe the hype. They believe it's real. And this passage is kind of inviting us to ask that same question. Do, do I believe the hype about Jesus? Do I see the accounts of his miracles and the holy, do I see this as the holy testimony of the savior or the world? Or is this just some kind of hype machine? And your urgency towards Jesus, that really is the tell because Jesus sees your faith. Look at verse one. When he entered Capernaum again, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So you notice here, if you're the first time kind of reading the gospel of Mark, you see that he must have been here before. If he's entering Capernaum again, after some days, and it's reported he's back at home. Well, just a chapter ago, he was in Capernaum. So I just flip one chapter to the left or, or swipe a little bit to the left and look at verse 29. So as soon as he left the synagogue, Jesus, he went into Simon, this is Peter, and Andrew's house with James and John. So they're in Peter's house. And Peter, Simon's mother-in-law, was lying in bed with a fever. And they told him about her at once. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. And the fever left her. And she began to serve them. Now look, when evening came, after the sun had set, they brought to him, so this is happening in Capernaum, they brought to him all those who were sick and all those who were demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So Jesus was in Capernaum already, healed everyone that came to him, healed many that were sick, cast out demons, and then he left to go preach in the synagogues. And now he rolls back in. The Beatles are back in town in Capernaum and the whole city again descends on Peter's house. The house is so crowded. Look at verse two of chapter two. So many people gathered together. There was no more room, not even in the doorway as he was speaking the word to them. Verse three, they came to bring him a paralytic. They're bringing their friend because they missed round one. They didn't get there the first time Jesus was making his rounds and healing. But now that he's back, they hear about it. And you can't keep a secret like that down. As soon as you hear, Jesus is back. We gotta go. But look who else is there. Look who else is there. Verse six. Some of the scribes were sitting there. 
So this whole house is packed. And then now the seminary professors, the, the synagogue professors are there. And these guys aren't fans of Jesus. They are suspicious of him. You know why? Because they're hearing that Jesus is a better teacher than them. So look back at chapter one again. Chapter one, look at verse 21. 121. They went into Capernaum, and here's what Jesus does. Right away, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. And listen, they were astounded at his teaching. Why? Because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. So the crowds were going, Jesus is an amazing teacher. He is incredible. He has authority. He has a power. These scribes are lame. You know the scribes are hearing that. Going, what are you talking about? He, Jesus, Nazareth, the carpenter's son? He, he did, like, he's a dropout of a medical school. What are you talking about? So they're there listening to try to catch Jesus. They, they are not his fans. But the paralytic and his friends are showing up because they believe. They missed out on the last healing circuit and now they're coming into town. And you can kind of imagine the conversations when they heard that Jesus is back and they missed it. You can hear it, can't you? You can hear the friends telling them, Jesus can heal you, buddy. We, we heard what he did last time he was here and he's back at Peter's house. Let's go. We, we can carry your mat. We'll take you to him. You can imagine the paralytic going, you're right. Let's hurry. Run. I don't care if I fall out. Just put me back in. Let's go. You can get that sense of urgency because look at what happens when they get to the house. Verse three. They came to him, bringing a paralytic carried by four of them, verse four, since they were not able to bring him to Jesus. I mean, they're trying to get him right in front of Jesus, but they can't because of the crowd. It's amazing. I mean, no one's even getting out of the way. That would be like normal. Hey, we have a paralyzed guy. Would you mind? Like, we're trying to get through. Doesn't happen. So what's their idea? Rooftop. Verse four, they removed the roof above him. Literally in Greek, it's they unroofed the roof after digging through it. So these, these roofs, it wouldn't be uncommon that they, they would change out the roofs every so often. It was just, it was alternating wood beams with twigs and sticks and earth in it, soil and clay compacted. I mean, these roofs, they shade, shield from the rain, but when it would rain, then you would have grass growing on top of these roofs. And so you don't want to mow your roof. I mean, you just put out a new one. Now listening. You can see that's why the Bible says they're digging. They're actually having to dig through the roof. And what we see here is, listen, they're doing whatever it takes to see Jesus. They know we need to see Jesus and nothing's going to stop them. Nothing. And I wonder today, this passage kind of bringing to our minds, do, do I want to meet Jesus too? Every day, friends, right now, you can have an encounter with the risen Christ. There is a, resil a resilience to faith. Crowds in the way, it doesn't matter. I'm getting to Jesus. Even today, the resilience of our faith should be, I want to meet Jesus in his word. I'm going to sing to Jesus today, no matter what's happening in my life. I'm going to pray to Jesus. I'm going to worship him. I need Jesus. I need to be led by Jesus. And I hope that's why you're here. Looking to meet Jesus in the word of God. 
And like this friends of the paralytic, does your life radiate a, a readiness and a, an urgency to get with Jesus? In the mornings, in the car, in, in the quiet moments of your heart and the difficulties and the sufferings, I need Jesus. Is that where you're at with him? And beloved, we need to be, if you're a Christian, we need to be like these friends who are bringing their friend to Jesus. We should be the kind of community and people who's going, we're going to bring one another to Jesus, not to some alternate way, not to some, just our counsel, but we're going to bring one another to Jesus, going to drag each other on the mat to Christ. And Jesus sees that faith. Look, look at verse five. At the end of our story, it says, they dug through, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying and seeing their faith. You underline that. It's an amazing kind of juxtaposition. Because we talk about we have faith in the unseen, but our faith in the unseen can be seen. Seeing their faith. As they dig through the roof with clods of dirt falling down. I mean, you know this disrupts everything. Jesus, imagine Jesus in the house, he's teaching talking to them about the kingdom of God. Maybe he's giving them the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. And then thud, thud, scrape, scrape, scrape. Dirt starts falling down. Everybody would be looking. Imagine that right now. If there was like hammering on top of the roof, we'd be like, what is happening? No one would be able to pay attention. And then all of a sudden, light breaks through. Then you see all the little dirt molecules flying in the air. Then you got some people going, I got to get out of here. There's dirt. I'm going to inhale it. What's going on? The paralytic is lowered. More light breaks in. The paralytic's lowered on the mat. And look at, the, look at verse 5 again. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Jesus sees the faith of the friends and the paralytic. Beloved, faith in Jesus is seen, it's visible, it's evident. Jesus sees your faith or the lack thereof. And sometimes faith gets dirt under the fingernails. Sometimes faith gets sore triceps from carrying a friend. And sometimes faith is visible in giving up weekends to serve in a prison or or to evangelize over egg rolls. Sometimes faith sings and opens the Bible when it's most difficult. Faith is seen in going to him instead of going and and insulating in anxiety and in worries and in fears, but in going to him and saying, Jesus, I need your help. And faith is seen just in a quiet prayer that maybe only Jesus can see. Save me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. How visible is your faith? That's one thing that keeps, is being brought up again and again and again after these miracles. What is the visibility index of your faith? Not just, oh, I, I come and I sit in church on Sundays. The scribes can come in and sit here. They're in there sitting with Jesus. But what is the visibility index of your actual life and of your faith? That's a theme through these miracles. When the boat's being tipped over and they're about to die and Jesus saves them, he calms the storm. Hey, what does he say? You still don't have faith? Visibility index, zero. The woman who has the issue of blood, and she says, if I could just grab his clothes, just touch him, I know I could be healed. Visibility index, 100%. 
What is the visibility index of your faith? This is why the book of James says, you can see faith by works. Good deeds, fruit, carrying someone's burden, helping a coworker, all because Jesus is your crucified and risen Savior. Jesus sees the faith of the paralytic and his friends. And now all the attention of the house is on them. This shows us that we must bring our paralysis and neediness right to him. Whatever your neediness is today, it's not something to fake or to hide. That is something to bring right to Jesus. This is what this passage is showing us. Jesus welcomes your neediness to him. In fact, Jesus says, this deserves all of my attention. The whole room now has the attention on this man's paralysis and all this neediness because Jesus wants to heal our deepest problem. That's why he says in verse five to this paralyzed man, look at it again. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, son, looking at him right in the face, son, your sins are forgiven. As he lays on his mat, unable to move, hoping Jesus will will heal his body and rewire his broken muscle tissue, Jesus makes a different announcement. Your sins are forgiven. Done. Settled. Taken care of. And this is jarring because no one's expecting this. But listen, beloved, Jesus heals his deepest hurt his sin. And listen, look right at me. There is a paralysis that you and I have that we cannot see. And it is our sin. This physical healing that Jesus will do, it's really just a platform for the spiritual healing that you need. Right here, we are the paralytic. We fall short of God's law and his commands. We can't walk our way into the kingdom. We are immobile, trapped in our sin. But the greatest need of everyone listening in this room is forgiveness from God because we've sinned against him and and we've wronged him and we deserve hell and we deserve his wrath, but God is rich in mercy. And he stoops down in a human body to say to you and me, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is willing to forgive. By faith in his cross and resurrection alone, he is ready as Psalm 86 proclaims. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. So all of your sins can be forgiven. Not one held against you, because of Jesus Christ. And I love that it says to all who call on you. This is the high octane message of Christianity. You don't have to reach a certain level of acceptability. You don't have to reach a certain level of morality. You don't have to acquire a certain status of God togetherness. It's just calling on Christ. Just calling on him by faith. Have yours, have your sins been forgiven? Has your spiritual paralysis been healed? Listen, do you believe Jesus can say to you today, your sins are forgiven and it be true? 
Do you want to hear him say that to you? And listen, by faith, you can. You can grab this verse right here, verse five, and it's as though by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is speaking right to you. And then you can receive that and go, yes, my sins are forgiven. Jesus is speaking right to you. And you can believe that by faith because everyone who calls, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. The actual sins we've committed. Because in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Do you realize what you need most from Jesus right now? This is your greatest need, forgiveness. That the Lord brought you here today so that you would hear you can be forgiven or that you would be reminded you are forgiven. That the enemy has been tricking you and, and making you doubt your forgiveness, but that the Lord would remind you, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. I know we, we come to church for all kinds of, of different reasons and, and the paralytic came to Jesus for healing. He wants his body healed, that's real. Listen, your marriage might be a mess and you've been coming to church to try to hope it gets fixed. Jesus cares about that. And your pornography addiction is a serious problem and you need help and Jesus cares about that. The sickness you're suffering with, these things are not unimportant to Jesus. But we must remember that we don't have just a few pocket area problems in our lives. We have a complete contagion problem. Our entire life is infected by sin and we need to be forgiven wholesale, entire lot. This man is in fact, he's a paralytic because of sin, not because of some sin he committed that, that made him paralyzed, but because Adam and Eve took a bite of that fruit in the garden. This man would not be paralyzed if that fruit had not been bitten into Sin entered the world, disease entered the world, death entered the world. But forgiveness is the first step towards not being paralyzed forever. Forgiveness is the first step to your marriage being healed. Forgiveness is that first bright light into freedom from sin. Because listen, this man, he will be paralyzed again one day. He will be dead in the ground. But if he is forgiven he will rise to new life with Christ when Jesus returns. And he'll rise from the dead in a new glorified body that will leap like a deer, Isaiah says. And he'll live sin-free on the new earth. But we need most from God is forgiveness. This is where it all begins. Forgiveness rewinds the tape back to Genesis 2 before sin enters the world. Forgiveness rewinds us all the way back into the Garden of Eden where we have unity and harmony with God again. What Jesus is showing you and me, we need two miracles. The first one is forgiveness, spiritual. Second one's healing, physical. And by the risen Christ, we will receive that physical healing sooner or later. But if the spiritual miracle doesn't happen, who cares about the physical? This is, this is kind of like when kids are learning money. We're learning, okay, what's, what's more vital? When kids are learning money, they, they don't get it. They, they have one $5 bill. 
but you have five dimes. And you can tell a little kid, hey, I'll trade you. I'll trade you that one bill you have for my five dimes. And they do it because they don't understand. They don't get it. And I would be a cruel dad if I did that to my kids more than once or twice. (laughs) And when Jesus tells this paralytic, your sins are forgiven, he is showing us, I will not be cruel to you. Jesus is saying, you come to me by faith. I will not be cruel to you. I will meet and heal your deepest need. I will forgive your sins. What do you need forgiven today? That, that sin that you, you just think, I can't, it's too embarrassing. I, I can't bring this to Christ. I mean, I just, I just don't know if he would. Don't doubt him. Jesus is ready. And Jesus wants you to know his authority and his power to forgive and heal. Look at verse six. So after Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, verse six, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So the scribes realize what just happened. Jesus is taking responsibility and and grabbing authority that only belongs to God. Only God can forgive sins. And the scribes are right and wrong. They're right in that only God can forgive sins, but they're wrong in thinking Jesus is committing blasphemy. But these really are the options of what Jesus just did. Jesus, I mean, this is high stakes miracle working. Jesus is either committing blasphemy, worthy of stoning and death, or he is to be believed that he is God who can forgive sins. And I love that Mark gives us a little detail in verse six. Uh, Look at verse eight. Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit what they were thinking. Jesus is reading their minds. He knows what's going on in their heart and in their minds. And look what Jesus says in verse eight. Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? That'd be like, how did he know? That alone should be enough. The guy, whoa, okay. But instead, Jesus, he keeps pressing. Verse nine, which is easier? So he puts a question to them. And this this is a rabbinical teaching method from the greater to the lesser. If I can do the greater thing, surely I can do the lesser thing. If I can dunk on a 10-foot goal, surely I can dunk on a play school goal. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. So, which is easier to say? It's easier to say your sins are forgiven because you can't see that. Anybody could say it and it not be true but you can just say it. You can't prove it. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Anybody can say that. But not everybody can say with power, get up, take your mat and go home. Because if you say that and it doesn't happen, you're phony. So you see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is putting it all on the line. Okay, scribes. Okay, crowd. Let's talk about what I'm doing here. You don't think I can forgive his sins? How about this? If If I can heal him with my words, that's the hard thing then you got to believe. Then you got to see. 
that I can forgive him with my words. That's what Jesus is showing us. If I can do the harder thing, forgiving with my words, then of course I can do what looks to be the easy thing. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus says, I'm going to prove it. Verse 10. But so that you may know. I I love that Jesus says this, that, that you will know. I want you to know it. I want you to believe it. So that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he heals this guy. So everyone will know I have authority to forgive. This physical healing is really a platform for his authority to forgive. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Verse 12, immediately he got up took the mat and went out in front of everyone. Jesus says, not only am I able to forgive sins, I have authority. And this is so amazing because it's showing us Jesus is not God Jr. He doesn't have to run up a support request up the Trinity chain of command. There is no chain of command. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Spirit is God. The son does submit to the father. The father exalts the son. The spirit helps. There is a mutual working togetherness for the glory of God. And Jesus says, I have authority. What he's saying is almighty God is here. And Jesus is telling us, when you deal with me, you're dealing with almighty God. When you come to me with your neediness, you are approaching almighty God. And he, I love that he says, look, I have authority on earth. I'm not limited just to Capernaum. I'm not limited just to Jerusalem or Israel. I have authority to forgive sins from Capernaum to Tomball to Thailand to Texas. I can forgive anyone's sins on earth. And this includes you. You are right here in this verse. The son of man has authority to forgive my sins. Know this. Believe that Jesus can forgive your sins because this man got up and walked. The fact that the man got up and walked is proof. Jesus can forgive sins. I mean, this guy hasn't moved in years. And the whole town probably knew this guy. And don't miss the paralytic's faith. Imagine being paralyzed for a decade and you haven't moved. And a man that you're just meeting says, get up. You have to have faith in that moment to go, I can And you need to have faith in this moment that you can be forgiven. That you are forgiven. That you are made new in Christ. Immediately he got up. He took the mat and went out in front of everyone. Just got up and he didn't stumble like a baby deer. Like, whoa, I don't know. My legs restored. And when you are forgiven, you are completely restored. You are restored to God made whole again, given that new life in Christ. An encounter with Jesus changes everything. And listen, right now, Jesus invites you to go to him, to turn from your mat of sin. That mat of sin that we've been rolling around in that's eventually made us paralyzed down into our souls. Jesus says, know that I can forgive you. Know my words. I mean, just think about the words of Christ that we've seen in this whole series is why there's so much power. And Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven. Jesus says, believe when I say that. 
That's why he says, get up, take your mat, walk. Believe my words. Think about this whole series. If you've been with us, how does Jesus calm the storm with his words? Hush, be still. His words have power. I really think this is a lot of the point to these miracles, that Jesus is building up the credibility for us unbelieving people. Say, believe my words. Believe when I calm the storm. When I speak, it happens. My voice cast out a demon. Jesus' words rose a little girl from the dead, and he grabbed her by the hand and said, Talitha kum. She gets up. And now Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. His words have power. And when he says, your sins are forgiven, we're supposed to hear that same voice and go, it's true. Because that same voice calmed the storm, cast out demons, rose a little girl from the dead. And so when now, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, stapled there by Roman soldiers, and when he yells out, it is finished, we are to go, that's the same voice. That's the same word that I can trust. I saw him calm the storm. I saw him raise the little girl from the dead. I saw him heal the paralytic with his words. So when he says it is finished, it is to be believed. My sins are paid for. And when he said, I will rise again from the dead, we believe it. And when he said, I will come back for you, I will go and prepare a place for you and I will return on a white horse and I will bring you back to myself. We believe it because his words are to believe, to be believed because the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. The son of man, he wields this authority for your good, for your good. Today, the risen Jesus speaks right to us through this word. And we should hear a Capernaum twang in the background. Your sins are forgiven. Have you heard Jesus say that to you by faith? Maybe you're hearing Jesus for the first time. This can be yours today. You can hear Jesus say to you, child, friend, your sins are forgiven. If you'll believe on faith alone that Jesus took your paralysis on the cross. That's what was happening to Jesus. He was made immobile, arms fixed, legs nailed. He was made immobile, paralyzed on the cross. It was not the nails that paralyzed Jesus. It was our sin our sins made him immobile on the cross and he died for them so that we could be forgiven, so we could be free and so that we could leap for joy in the new earth and the new life with him and that we could leap with it now because he's risen. And that's why verse 12 says, as a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God saying, we've never seen anything like this. There is nothing like Christianity. There is nothing like God's grace and there is no one like Jesus. The hype is real. Let's have more of a craze and holy hype over Christ than some new phone. Maybe we should camp out on Saturdays to wait for the Lord's Supper. How awesome would that be? Rushing into this building because we just can't wait to worship Jesus together. The hype is real. There's no one like Jesus. And he has authority to forgive our sins. Let's worship him now. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.com.
www.ghostbusters.org.